Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So the New York Times has this big write-up called Dr. Fauci Looks Back on the Pandemic and What Went Wrong. And I'm just giving you some of the highlights. If you read this article yourself, you probably it's, it, it clocks in at like 45 minutes to an hour-long read. Um, so I'm giving you some of the highlights, and I'm doing it in my hilarious Fauci voice, uh, so feel free to laugh. Um, but I'm just giving you the highlights, and I think, as I said earlier, it's really important that we go through and try to identify mistakes that were made, bad calls that were made, because going forward, if we are presented a similar circumstance, we should avoid making those same mistakes, right? That's the only, that's all I'm in it for. What I don't suffer well, though, is people who accuse me or anyone else asking questions, and you're going to hear Fauci get kind of uh, uh, snippy with the reporter about this, and the reporter stands his ground, as he should, David Wallace Wells, um, because it's important, because you didn't make every decision correctly. So... He's going back and forth with Fauci, and Fauci basically acknowledges that, look, yeah, every country did bad or badly, right? We all did. Every country, there, like, and, and while on the one hand, he's like, oh, America had all of these deaths, like 3,300 per million, and that's, you know, too many for a rich country. But you compare us to other countries, and some, like, the U.K. is basically the same. Peru was the worst, and they had 6,600. Why? I, I don't know. Like, I, I would be very interested to know why certain countries saw the death counts lower, right? Was it reporting? Was it death, you know, from COVID versus with COVID? Like, there are a lot of factors at play here. But Fauci goes and makes these comments. And again, to the New York Times' credit, they essentially do a fact check and they point out, well, actually, according to the data, we're we're basically in the middle. And the reporter then says, you know, well, we're... We basically did as poorly as everybody else did. And Fauci acknowledges that. Most everybody did poorly. When you look around, nobody did great except maybe one or two countries. But he says, I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to say, though, that, hey, you know what? It's a virus. We're going to get screwed no matter what. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an appropriate response. Well, okay. But if it's reality, then why would we ignore that? He goes on to say, how much worse would it have been if we didn't have a vaccine in 11 months? It took, if it took three years to get a vaccine, we would have had 5 million deaths here. And the world, instead of having 7 million deaths, which is an underestimate, it's probably 20. And it would have been double that without the vaccines. So I don't think we should throw our hands up and say we could not have done any worse. Right? So... And look, this is going to be an issue, I think, for uh, Donald Trump in the primary, because you've got a lot of people that are anti-vaccine or shot there, you know, against the COVID shots. And Trump 
touts those as a success, Operation Warp Speed, right? I I have no advice, by the way, on how to navigate that right, in your primary, but I, I'm going to be watching for it. Um, I think there's some revisionism being attempted about, you know, who ordered what and when and what what governors uh, lifted their lockdowns earlier than not, that sort of thing. We'll see. Oh, I saw Carrie Lake uh, from Arizona. She said uh, she cited some poll from Fox News and said uh, the primary is over because <laughs> it showed Trump leading. I'm like, it's a it's a poll. Our like our primary in North Carolina isn't. I mean, we still have like seven months or something before our primary. Like, please, the, the primary is not over. It hasn't even started. Anyway, um, and by the way, in case you don't know this, I don't. I don't follow the polls. I don't bring you the daily snapshots of, oh, a new poll, and this person's up, and the, I, the horse race stuff, I just I don't care about. Yeah, I, so I'll look at a trend line. If, if you know, if somebody's consistently polling ahead or they, uh, they start falling off a cliff and they're not recovering, like the trend line to me is more valuable. Um, anyway, so he goes on, Fauci goes on to say, man, I think almost paradoxically – You had people who were on the fence about getting vaccinated thinking, why are they forcing me to do this? And that sometimes beautiful independent streak in our country becomes counterproductive. And you have that smoldering anti-science feeling, a divisiveness that's palpable politically in this country. It's just kind of all over the place. Like He says, the thing that astounded me is that there were surges of infections in certain regions and the hospitals were being overwhelmed. And people were still saying it's fake news. I mean, people whose loved ones were in the hospital were denying that it was COVID. It seems inconceivable. That's why I have to say I really don't know. I wish I had the answer. But some very strange psychodynamics were going on in our country. Yeah. I agree. Very strange psychodynamics. I I concur. Maybe somebody could get on that. I don't know. Take a look. Figure it out. (laughs) Right. How about some analysis of what we were seeing? Why why did people behave the way they did? I said this from the very beginning. Risk assessment. It was a, it was about risk asse- risk tolerance, right? People assessed their risks and then made their decisions from there. And once you realized that people on the left had a lower risk tolerance than people on the right, a lot of this stuff made sense. It did. And, uh, yeah. Um, when, when people were asked to, uh, to tell pollsters, um, what do you think the risk of dying from COVID is? And you saw the results of these polls, these surveys. And they consistently, across the board, no matter what, they always show the same thing, which was that people on the left overestimated the risk by a lot. But I mean, they people. I remember one survey uh, in the early days of the pandemic. They uh, that it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about three quarters of uh, self-identified people of the left said that the chance of getting COVID and dying from it was fifty-fifty, and that is nowhere near correct. Nowhere near it. Um, and then you had people on the right, the political right, that would consistently underestimate the risks 
they, 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 when asked to put the values on it, I forget what the numbers were, but it was way below what the risks actually were. So, th- so there was this warping going on, right? And I don't know why that occurred. Um, because at the beginning, it was happening under Trump, right? And then it, it, halfway through, it's now happening under Biden. So, so there was this shifting going on, too, that I noticed, right, where people who initially were like, I'm never going to take a shot that Donald Trump developed, as if, you know, Trump is in there with, you know, in the lab with the, the big crazy gloves through the plexiglass manipulating the, uh, the, the COVID-2 uh, uh, vaccine. Of course not. But people wouldn't, they didn't want any, anything to do with it because it was him. He was associated with it. Um, and then it kind of it shifted, right? There was this inversion that occurred. So, yeah, I'd be curious to know what that was about. Um, I certainly think, he, uh, Fauci goes on to say, I certainly think things could have been done differently and better on both sides. I mean, anybody who thinks that we or anybody else, what we did was perfect, is not looking at reality. Nothing was done perfectly. I agree. I agree. So, reporters in North Carolina, here is your opportunity. That line right there, it's going to be on page uh, one. Hang on a second. One, two, three, four. It's on page four of this article at the New York Times. Dr. Fat, this is how you lead into your question to like Gibby Harris or the new. Dr. Washington, right, from the Mecklenburg County Health Department, or uh, Cody Kinsley, or if you get, like, a uh, an opportunity to toss a question out at uh, Mandy Cohen, Roy Cooper, right? This is how you lead in. Dr. Anthony, the science Fauci, said, quote, anybody who thinks that what we or anyone else did was perfect is not looking at reality. Nothing was done perfectly. So, can you tell me something that you did that was not done perfectly during the pandemic? A lesson learned. And again, this is not a gotcha question. This is a postmortem. This is a this is a debrief. This is hey, let's let's find out what worked and what didn't, and so we don't make the mistake of doing the stuff that didn't work again. Right? Let's not do that again. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. The Fauci, or sorry, the science uh, spoke, which is weird because science doesn't really speak, but the science speaks and now and uh, to the New York Times and did this very lengthy series of interviews over the course of days or weeks and um, he's asked about all sorts of aspects of the pandemic response. And I, I tip my hat, although I do not wear one, but if I were wearing one, I would totally tip it to the New York Times and this reporter, uh, I believe it's David Wallace Wells, and uh, for asking these questions. And, and look, some of the questions, Wallace Wells, the way he frames them, he frames them as, look, 
I agree with the shots. I agree with the vaccines. Or I agree with the lockdowns. I agree. He's he's always pitching these questions in the form of I agree with you, but some say or critics say, and by the way, that's an it's a very effective interview technique. I know because I use it. And now that I've told you that, you're going to hear it all the time. <laughs> um, he says he he says I certainly think things could have been done differently and better on both sides. Nothing was done perfectly, but what I can say is that at least to my perception, the emphasis strictly on the science and public health—that is, what public health people should do. I'm not an economist. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is not an economic organization. The Surgeon General is not an economist. So we looked at it from a purely public health standpoint. It was for other people to make broader assessments. Those people have to make the decisions about the balance between the potential negative consequences of something versus the benefits of something. Certainly, there could have been better understanding of why people were emphasizing the economy. But when people say Fauci shut down the economy, it wasn't Fauci. The CDC was the organization that made those recommendations. I happen to be perceived as the personification of the recommendations. But show me a school that I shut down. Show me a factory that I shut down. Never. I never did. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation. And people made a a decision based on that. But I never criticized those people who had to make the decisions one way or the other. Right? So he's, he's trying to stake out some distance between himself and the people's decisions that were made based on what he said. And by the way, I am familiar with this argument that he is making. You know why? I made it. I was making this argument during the pandemic. <laughs> I was saying, hey, Uh, My good friend, Governor Ray Cooper, you really should be getting more advice from people instead of your super secret group of advisors. Nobody really knows who you're talking to, right? We still don't really know everybody that he consulted all the time. This was why the, the, the Council of State should have been part of the emergency declarations, part of the process. He should have had to have gotten his executive orders renewed via the uh, Council of State in North Carolina, the 10 statewide elected positions, because they all provide input. Do you think the Agriculture Commissioner might have had an idea about whether it's good or bad to lock down the entire economy? What do you think? Maybe? Maybe. How about the Treasurer? How about the Auditor? How about the Attorney General? Right? All of these positions, they have certain areas of jurisdiction, and... You know, they could have provided input, but we short-circuited all of that North Carolina and just let Roy run wild. Let me go over here and get Joe on. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, Good. First of all, I think your Fauci is terrific. Thank you. And I think you should just practice by saying an abundance of caution. An abundance of caution. An abundance of caution. Yeah, yeah, I like it. There you go. All right. uh uh, I would call Fa- I call what Fauci's doing like faux humility. It's not real humility. Faux humility. For him to say he didn't shut down anything, that is so disingenuous. 
that I, I can't even believe he's he's even trying that one. Really? Course, no, no, you're not on a school board, Anthony Fauci. You're not you're not the governor of any state. You set the tone for everything. You set the tone for keeping everything shut down, and everybody, including Rochelle Walensky, from uh, from the governors, from everybody on down, followed followed that tone of we can't take any chances. And so, for no, you didn't close any school yourself, like anybody really thought you did. Another thing that kills me is there was, and, and you, you've hit on this many times, There's no, there was no sense of, well, we really don't know, we're, we're doing what we think is best. There was all this from, from, uh, from uh, Gibby Harris, and well, not so much from her, but from, what's her name? Uh, uh, the, the, the oh, uh, Mandy uh, Cohen. Mandy Cohen. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was all data and science like that. There's only one way to go on this. There's never any... Uh, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. And, right. and there was no recognition that it's mostly older. They, they, they just tried to just this blanket, uh, every one size fits all approach instead of acknowledging that it's older people and people with pre-existing conditions. Those are the people we need to protect mm-hmm. and to tell everybody else to stay inside, don't exercise, you know, just watch Netflix Keep the schools closed. It was the, I think it's the biggest public policy mis, uh, mistake of our lifetime when we when we look back on it. Yeah. And I want to make one other point. Yeah, real quick. Trump, Mr. Anti-Swamp gave the platform for Fauci two hours a day. All of a sudden, then all of a sudden he shuts it down. But he had him and uh, Fauci and Burks out there for two hours a day. Didn't challenge. He saw what Fauci was doing. He saw that, that Fauci was shutting down all the you know, or uh, setting the tone for shutting down all the businesses and the schools, and he and he didn't step in and do anything. And and we had a governor in Florida who actually did something mm. and, well, and opened the school. Yeah, well, and, and that's that, he's going to have to reconcile that. Uh, I think during this primary, Joe, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks so much. Um, no abundance of caution. Yeah, no, yeah. Joe's exactly right. The tone was set. The recommendations came down. He knew how they were being used. Um, there was never any, you know, hey, this is just a recommendation. You should consult with other people and, and economists and stuff like for the total impact and the collateral damage and all of that. There was never any sense of humility like that, right, uh, of like we don't know a lot of stuff here, you know. So, all right, we'll get into more of the uh, Fauci impressions from the from the article. Got a couple messages here. Let me get to some emails. Uh, Pete at the Pete Callender Show dot com. This is from Tim, who says, uh, Pete, regarding COVID risk, in my personal experience, I think the risk of dying from COVID is was much lower than being admitted to the hospital with COVID. I had a 47 year old cousin in good health die in the hospital with COVID after they first refused to give him early treatment, allowing him to develop pneumonia. Admit to the hospital, refuse to give simple therapeutics, then give him remdesivir. Uh, Two days later, kidney failure. Go figure. Then they practically starved him to death while collecting in excess of six figures from the system for his hospital stay. Long story short, stay out of the hospital. Look, that that is something that... uh, that Medical professionals will say, right, like the idea is to keep you out of the hospital. People get bad outcomes oftentimes when they go to the hospital, right? People, I mean, you know how many people die a year of medical malpractice? 
It's just, it's like tens of thousands. It might even be hundreds of thousands, if I remember correctly. It's a lot, okay? It's a lot. So, uh, and that is not, I'm not saying don't go to the hospital. I'm not saying that. But I, I will say there's a reason why it's called the practice of medicine and not the perfect, you know? Um, I have heard similar things, and I have said this from the beginning, that if we are, if we are dealing with a novel coronavirus, brand new, right? And nobody knows what's going on and nobody knows what's happening. And so we're making all of these decisions on the fly. And as Dr. Greg Murphy said it, you know, we're building the plane while we're flying it. And what I said was we're either practicing battlefield medicine or we are not. This is the same standard I apply with the climate change people, right? The the earth is going to melt down or freeze over or whatever climate change us to death, right? It's, it's either going to happen very soon, right? Or it's not. And, I'm thinking that just judging by your behavior that you're not canceling your chartered flights, I'm thinking you don't believe that it is while you're telling everybody that you do believe it is, right? The John F. Carey, who, by the way, served in Vietnam, as I recall, he uh, you know, said that basically I'm doing this important work so I should be able to fly all around the world on the private jet even though it's belching all of the CO2 into the atmosphere and thereby exacerbating climate change, right? When you start acting... Like this thing is the threat that you say it is, then maybe I will take you more seriously. Well, when people started saying, hey, we should try this cocktail of therapeutics, these different things seem to work. I look, I know I'm a broken record on this, but ventilation, like I, I to this day, I still don't understand why that was never part of the, uh, the, the marketing. The W's, remember the three W's, wash your hands, wait six feet apart, and wear a mask. Right. Wind or windows could have been the fourth W. Get the fans going. Air circulation. Move the airflow around. Move it out. Right? You got to get fresh air cycling through. And this is not, I didn't come up with this all on my own. This this was what the science has said for over 100 years, actually longer. So, why did we just abandon that? Why did why weren't we telling people that? Why why were we telling people don't go to the beach, right? Don't go to the gyms. Oh, because people are working out and they're exhaling in the gyms. Well, if you turn on a whole bunch of fans, and maybe people start you know losing some weight, they're going to be better equipped to fight off a virus, right? Jay says, uh, caller Joe stole my thunder. Great Fauci impression. Um. I have a new mail address as I was laid off yesterday in this great economy. Jay, I am sorry to hear that. If you would like me to uh, post your resume here on the radio, I am happy to do it. What do you What do? you do? What's your expertise? And uh, if you want to uh, throw that out there, I'll be happy to direct anybody who can offer you some work in your direction. Happy to do it. John has, John has info. John claims to have, see, I'm just like Joe Biden. What did I tell you? I got a little card here. I'm reading off the card. It's John. I don't have a picture of John, though. But John has information about hospitals. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Certainly. I love your show. Thank you, sir. And I I read this article late last night, and then you got into this conversation. And um, I want to share this with people because this came from a source that says uh, the AAPS, 
and I'm trying to look on the article. I can't, rough hand, I can't find what that stands for. But everybody who went to the test or went to the hospital during COVID got a free, quote unquote, required PCR test in the emergency room or upon admission. Mm-hmm. But the government paid a fee to the hospital for giving you that free test. Mm-hmm. Then there was a bonus payment for each positive COVID-19 diagnosis. Another bonus was paid to the hospital for a COVID-19 admission, Mm a 20% boost in the bonus payment for Medicare on the entire hospital bill if you used remdesivir instead of medicines such as ivermectin. Another and larger bonus payment to the hospital if the COVID patient patient is mechanically ventilated more money to the hospital if the cause of death is listed as covid even if the patient did not die directly of covid so all right so a couple things one and i've covered this before the uh the increased reimbursements for hospitals were not and this makes sense when you hear it like this versus the way it's framed, like you just framed it, which is the cost of providing that level of care is more expensive, which is why they got more money in, not in, I mean, like, I don't know about the remdesivir. That's the first time I've heard that. That's, so that's the first thing. Like there was, it, it costs more money to treat people as they were treating them. And so that's why they boosted those reimbursements. So I don't know if that explains all of it. Do I believe that some hospitals may have been goosing their stats or juice in the stats, I should say. Um, yeah, probably. They, they, very well, probably. I mean, why wouldn't you know? Why why wouldn't people behave in such a manner when you've incentivized it like that, like you've outlined? Um, so then the next question I had though is where the um, who is or not who is the source? You don't have to tell me who the source is, but like where does this come from? All of these, uh, all of the markups. Um, What's the source? You mean on from the hospital? Yeah, I mean, well, where are you? Where are you getting this information? Oh, from? I'm getting the information. I ran into this article on American Thinker magazine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they usually have very uh, straightforward articles in this nature or other natures. Nah. Well, no. I mean, Amer- Look, I've I've been reading American Thinker for like 15 years, and uh, it's a it's a good website, and a lot of it is legit, but it's also a lot of opinion. And it is from, I mean, it is from the right, very, very from the right. And it is, the, I mean, there there is opinion all throughout. Those are those are essays and such. So and I'm not saying that I disbelieve it. I, I mean, again, I appreciate the American thinker. I, I read it. So, uh, but I but I also recognize like it's not like a straight up, uh, well, they, they may have been engaging in some motivated reasoning on some stuff. That's all. And I, and I Right. I just put that out there as a sort of general disclaimer. I don't know the article you're talking about. So I just was curious well, where it came from. They also bring up the fact that there are lawsuits against three hospitals in California mm. by 14 bereaved families who claim their loved ones were killed by the deadly protocol. And then some activist organizations like American Frontline Nurses, Protocol Kills, and former mm. feds group have been collecting and documenting stories about what occurred. Right. 
Well, uh, yeah, no, John, this is what Dr. Peter McCulloch testified to at the Texas Senate hearing a couple years ago, where he talked about doctors failing in addressing the patient in front of them, right? Doctor's offices closed their doors and told patients, stay home, uh, you know, take some Tamiflu or something and hope you don't get worse. But if you get worse, then just go to the hospital and die, basically. So, uh, yeah, there is a complete failure on so many levels. John, I do appreciate the call. Uh, I'll go find the uh, the American Thinker uh, article um, and see if I can uh, get some more info out of it. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, so I've located the article. Uh, It's from Stella Paul, April 25th. It's called What Happened in Hospitals During COVID. And uh, so now I can tell, was it John that I just spoke to or David? Anyway, uh... Sorry, I forgot who it was. I told you I was running on just a couple hours of sleep here. I stayed up too late last night. Hanging out with with listeners. So sue me. Okay. Um, Hospitals should be places you can trust to provide comfort and healing when you're most vulnerable, but that trust may have been shattered by brutal COVID protocols that critics claim turned many hospitals into hellscapes of systematic medical murder. The victims' uh, stories have been muffled by the mainstream media, but they are starting to break through. For one thing, lawsuits against three hospitals have been filed in California by 14 bereaved families who claim their loved ones were killed by a deadly protocol. Um, talks about some activist groups here, as uh, I think I think it was John uh, mentioned. I find it heartbreaking to read their stories, which share a haunting similarity. A feeling of being trapped in a highly organized nightmare. The ritual progresses in predictable stages. First, the patient is isolated from family who are unable to advocate for their loved one or monitor what's happening. Next, the patient is diagnosed with COVID-19 or COVID pneumonia, even if they came to the hospital because of a broken arm. Then they are bullied into getting remdesivir, a highly toxic drug which killed 53% of Ebola patients who had the misfortune to take it. Next, according to the California lawsuit, quote, they are placed on a BiPAP machine at a high rate, making it difficult for them to breathe. Their hands are often tied down so they can't take the BiPAP machine off their face. I know this is getting unbearably painful to read, but stay with me to the bitter end to memorialize the victim's suffering. As the patients writhe in agony, psychiatrists are brought in to diagnose them with agitation and sedate them. Now, shot up with severe sedated with drugs that make it tough to breathe against the BiPAP ventilator and strapped down in restraints, the victims are denied food and sometimes even water. Should they try to summon help, they may find the hospital played a vicious trick on them, placing their phone and call button for the nurse out of reach. In the final stages, they are intubated and slowly die alone, left to rot into a skeletal corpse with bed sores. So, how did this happen? How did doctors and nurses who spent years studying so they could help people all of a sudden turn into ruthless sadists presiding over enforced deaths? 
How did hospitals metastasize from places of healing into chambers of horror? Well, according to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, that is the AAPS uh, that the caller mentioned, and the AAPS is uh, Association of Physicians and Surgeons, a voice for private physicians since 1943. Um, So this is what I call uh, lateral investigation or lateral research. You, You keep opening new tabs in your browser, you know, laterally. As you like, okay, well, they're citing this study. Open it up in a new tab. And then you got to read the study or you got to read the conclusion at least. You got to find out like what's the, what are the top line results? AAPS, what are they? All right, now I'm on their page. Now I'm at their about page. It's an association, uh, nonpartisan professional association of physicians in all types of practices. Um, but they've got a video here of Andrew Napolitano and Rand Paul. And they're talking about the AAPS lawsuit. So that's there on their about page. Um, to serve the state or serve our patients, that's the question we will increasingly face as government forces its power into every nook and cranny of our professional lives. All right, so it seems to be a limited government right-of-center organization. So that's what uh, what they write, is that our formerly trusted medical community of hospitals and hospital-employed medical staff have effectively become bounty hunters for your life. And they say... Um, this goes through uh, to the CARES Act, a $2 trillion stimulus package. Um, it provided bonuses to hospitals to institute federal protocols on COVID, ensuring that COVID would be massively diagnosed and treated with deadly combinations of remdesivir, ventilators, and other lethal methods. Now that this top-down death protocol was bought and paid for, the government made sure that patients and their families were helpless to fight against it. So, I mean, like... This is this is their outlining of the case, and it is going to court, right? It is in the courts, which is where this stuff needs to be handled. And so, thank you. I will now follow this lawsuit, and we'll see what happens uh, with these families that have brought the suit. Let's see. There's a, a link here for the lawsuit. The Eline, Eline, E-H-L-I-N-E, Eline Law Firm, Personal Injury Attorneys. Um, then you go over to their about, let's see, what is their about? Uh, their attorneys fighting for accident victims nationwide. Does he have like an 888-888-888-888 number or something? Michael Eline, uh, South Bay area, personal injury attorney serving Los Angeles handles cases from Santa Monica to Torrance and Redondo. Okay. So that's the, that's the, that's his law firm and they're running it. We shall see personal injury attorney. I don't know. Big payout if he gets it, right? I'll keep you posted.